Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Harvard Kahl, and I talk about how you can start, run, and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called Open Source and Bootstrapping. Let's get started. So this week, a few remarkable things happened in the open source scene. First, Mapbox decided to change the license on their popular Mapbox GL library, which is a JavaScript library, to create fancy maps and used by many to power their in-app apps, they went from the very permissive BSD license to a license that actually contains these fragments. And I quote, this license allows developers with a current active Mapbox account to use and modify the Mapbox web SDK. And this license terminates automatically if a user no longer has an active Mapbox account. Phew. For an open source project, this is a very restrictive move. I've used this library before, and I've seen many developers who've really done the same and are now planning to move away from Mapbox after this change. The code kind of stays the same, right? It's open source, but the terms of using it are different. And if you use this map renderer, you'll have to pay Mapbox, no matter if you use their tiles for your map or not. If you use the code, gotta have an account. So what was a very open and transparent relationship with a business, Mapbox, became an opaque and a less reliable one for many. The other thing that happened was that TerminusDB, which is an open source knowledge graph database, also changed its license, but they changed it from GPL version three to Apache 2.0. They were having trouble commercially using the product under the GPL, which was also too restrictive and in a way, it restricts Terminus to be in a completely different way than the Mapbox license. It kind of locks them in with too much transparency. They have an announcement on their blog, and that announcement states that it's a protective move, and they have a number of reasons, and the big one is to prevent big cloud players like AWS or Google from forking and hosting their service, and by that, just killing their business. And it's so interesting to see how complicated licensing and open source in general is that it's really hard to find a good position on this issue, right? Is it too restrictive or not restrictive enough? And when I look at open source software, I have an almost schizophrenic vision because as a developer, I wanna be as free as possible in what I use, right? So I can use those things as much as I like. But as an entrepreneur, I wanna be able to retain as much control over my own work as possible, which is often built upon those open source foundations. It's a balancing act for sure. And I think I'm somewhere in the middle. And that made me think. Most SaaS businesses offer closed source products, often protecting their code with significant effort. We certainly did at Feedback Panda, right? Our backend code was completely invisible to people. And the front end code that we provided that people could see in the browser was heavily obfuscated and hard to reverse engineer. And what my, my, my thought was, would it work for bootstrappers to create an open source product? and actually monetize a good business around it. What risks are there and who's already doing this and how well does it work for them? Well, I looked into this this week and let's really start with the shining beacons, the successful ones in the space who've bootstrapped successful open source businesses. One of the biggest names that came to my mind and was suggested to me was Taylor Otwell, who created the amazing PHP framework Laravel and an ecosystem around Laravel that includes monetization options like Forge and Nova and Spark, 
all these little tools on the side that kind of add value to the open source framework. And Taylor made millions of those auxiliary services, allowing people to deal with server management and administration panels and starter templates, respectively, right? That's Fortune Nova and Spark. And Laravel has a giant community and even a conference that is run by, and you guessed it, I guess, Taylor himself. And the core framework is free. Everybody can use it, download it, and use it for whatever purpose. But everything around that framework makes him money. That's one example. And the other example are multiple people, but I guess two big names there, Steve Sugar and Adam Wathen, and many others, who created Tailwind CSS, which is being used by thousands of projects. It's a CSS framework. It makes yeah, using CSS for design easier and more cohesive. It's really nice and it's free. Everybody can use it. I'm certainly using it in a lot of projects right now. And they make money by selling licenses to their UI component collection, Tailwind UI, which sits on top of Tailwind CSS. And it made them over half a million dollars in the first few days after being released and has made many millions since. And that kind of shows that it's clearly possible to build something in the open with publicly available source code and still make some good money. These two examples really manifest that. And what is clear in both cases is that building a community around the tool has been instrumental to success. Being part of something bigger is important to people and important to users of a certain tool. And that allows entrepreneurs to tap into this kind of feeling by giving to the community and then later getting compensated for enabling others to extract value better from something. Tailwind UI is making Tailwind CSS easier to use in larger projects. That's the additional value of Tailwind UI because you don't need a design designer, right? Essentially, you have that done for you. And Laravel Spark makes setting up a new Laravel-based SaaS business easier because you don't need to re-implement what others have implemented a thousand times. And if you look at that from a developer perspective, that is the big risk, right? That's the big open source risk. In both cases, a developer could build all of that themselves. After all, the source code is openly available for everybody to use. You can just download it and play with it and do whatever you want. And people have been building alternatives to Tailwind UI and their components are available for free online. Lots of Tailwind component websites where people just share. Still, Tailwind UI continues to make a lot of money because the people who were using Tailwind CSS wanted to give back initially and the UI component product allowed them to trade cash for double value. First, getting the actual components and getting well-designed components from a central source and supporting the openly available framework at the same time. That's one of the most important reasons why open source adjacent products still get sold because there's this double effect. At least that's what I've seen in, in many of these open source um, monetization strategies. People want to support those who provide value in open source. And I think this requires two very important things to happen. First, you really just need to actually create the value, right? You need to create a system like Tailwind CSS that is really useful 
to people. And you need to create Laravel, which is a PHP framework that's supposedly just as good or better as Symfony or Codeigniter or the other frameworks that are in the space. And second, which is the more important point, I feel, you need to be, and you need to want to be, a brand, a recognizable person around which a following can establish itself, right? You need to become a leader. Both Taylor and Adam work diligently to produce incredibly useful tools. That's the first part. But both creators then embrace their role as a public persona, a leader in the space. In many ways, they had been part of the community that they would eventually sell to for a long time already. Maybe just a lurker, maybe just somebody who responds to things, maybe not somebody who's actively creating content, but they've been part of it. And this is in a very exciting way, an audience first approach to building a business. Open source creators know exactly who they are serving because their products are almost exclusively scratch your own itch solutions to problems that they felt or feel themselves. They understand how to talk to their prospective customers and they also know how to add value to the open source product that they give away for free. And the trick here is to understand that for professionals, owning the tool is only half the battle. Using it efficiently and effectively requires something else, and that's expertise. And that is not quickly built. Seasoned entrepreneurs understand that time is money and that hiring a consultant or a contractor is a perfectly reasonable way to access that expertise. And open source businesses bundle that into something purchasable. And their prevalent role in creating the technology, looking at Adam, for example, who built both Tailwind CSS and Tailwind UI, makes them experts from the start. That level of knowledge can make you a lot of money because it's hard to get by just using the tool, right? You need to build expertise. And if you're short for time, you buy expertise. And that's where money can come in. And WordPress and MongoDB, there's a lot of projects, you name them. Many infrastructure products have done very well just following this approach. They offer free open source community edition of whatever they offer. And their monetization happens through productized services like hosting, maintenance, or support. And I'll go into that uh, later. I have a couple more things that actually are options for monetization. And those companies foster communities around their products as well, which is important. You want a community around your product and provide peer-to-peer -peer support. And they these communities channel news pros prospects from the community edition towards the paid product as well. And one thing stands out to me with all those successful open source products, the free product has a certain baseline complexity. And that complexity lend, it lends itself to be solved by the paid product at some point. Tailwind UI is a carefully constructed design system that would take a full designer and they would have to work on that for weeks if you wanted to have that in your own company. And Laravel Forge is a hosting service that combines the learnings of hundreds of successful Laravel installations operating at scale you would have to pay an administrator to work on that full-time in your own business to get to that point of expertise and knowledge. And I have yet to see a successful open source business build atop of a low complexity code base. So all of the ones that I've seen have some kind of complexity. So I promise that here are a couple of ways of monetizing open source projects that I've found and that I've found to be interesting, maybe 
just a selection of those. But you can provide hosting, administration, and deployment, right? That just makes it easier for people to get running, actually get stuff running, right? Not necessarily get going. They still need to learn how to build things with the th- with the kind of technology. But by offering hosting or administration or deployment, you can make it easier for them to actually get it into production quickly. The next thing is support developers who use the tool. Essentially, if they have questions, you respond, you answer, which is customer support, right? We have that in any kind of business, either SaaS or even info products. There will be people with questions, but that is a way that you can monetize. Have people pay you a subscription for access to support. AWS does that pretty famously. If you want to have any kind of support uh, on that platform, you just have to pay. I know it's not an open source business per se, but the idea of paid customer support is what I'm talking about. Third option is to train developers who are new to using the tool, actually giving training in this particular technology. And that kind of comes back to this complexity of the system, right? If you have a new kind of database that requires completely new approaches to data modeling and stuff, you can sell training to that at a hefty price, because if that is an enterprise ready project, then they might need to train their whole um, engineering team. And that can make you a significant amount of money, but still you can scale it because essentially every developer you train will be trained the same way. So it's very scalable when it comes uh, to training. You could provide certification that can then be used in your customer sales and marketing material. Essentially certificates for being a, I don't know what your uh, product would be, but like you could be a Laravel certified engineer, stuff like that. Um, And another thing, you can also help people with hiring. You can help their uh, your customers essentially find the next the next developer or custom domain experts when it comes to consultants. Right, that is something you could facilitate because you have the technology, you have the community, and in that community are a lot of people who want to make money. And you can help people make money or help people build projects by helping them find people who need to make money. It's also something that you see in the no code space at this moment. Right, there's a there's a lot of no code tools. Some open source, some not, but there's a lot of um, no-code job boards that are just jumping um, up in the community because it's just such a useful thing in a nascent and growing community. So the moment you have access to a community, you can do a lot when it comes to actually enabling people to use the tool better and get compensated for it. Another way of making money in an open source project that I find very interesting for people who are more on the technical side is offering security auditing and hardening of that particular project. Let's say somebody installs CRM. It's like a a system somewhere that is highly complex, but kind of outside facing because it needs to interact with other people. You could offer them to just do penetration testing of that particular system and figure out if it's safe or if it's secure or if if there's a way for people to get into your database, right? That kind of stuff. You can offer that and usually charge quite a lot because in, in many ways for enterprise businesses, this is a requirement. They need to check that box. So if you offer it for the system that they use, they're kind of very likely to take you up on it. And talking about outside facing things, you can also offer integrations, both from and into the product as a paid side channel, right? The core product is free, but anything regarding integrations is something that you create, either custom or you sell access to on a monthly basis, like a SaaS, that is something that you build. You can build around that core product. And when it comes to this kind of uh, distinction between free and paid, I think licensing models are always interesting 
particularly when you license to institutions and public entities because they have more interesting budgets. And also expectations of licenses because they need to be uh, legally in the clear. So purchasing something for them is often better than using something for free because that is often questionable in terms of like how, how long is this going to be around and might there be changes in the future that could affect us uh, retroactively, you know little problems um licensing is an interesting way and providing bundles and executables as paid services while the free edition is open source code only is another way of dealing with this right you could have a and, and that's the community edition approach that i was talking about earlier i've seen this in the business intelligence software space people offer the their bi products for free just as a here's the code compile it yourself deal with it but the paid account paid version is okay you could just run this executable or this um apple i don't know like image installer image or something where people prepare a much easier to use system for you that's also up to date it's also always the latest version and they take care of informing you about like updates and you know they just make the dealing with the the binaries easier and i think that's also a good approach but it also requires a certain complexity right if you offer a script for free online as an open source script that doesn't need to be compiled well then you don't have an option to build a bundle or an executable out of it um and that kind of is the list of the interesting ways um, of monetizing open source projects that I found. There are many others, uh, donations and, um, you know, like tips and stuff also work. But on a business scale, I feel that offering like an auxiliary service that is just useful is a better choice. So if you're interested in building a business on open source technology that you made, that you created, I think you should always embrace community building from the start. Because from that community, come a lot of interesting options to monetize. Um, give away a lot of value for free with the core open source project, and then make sure that there's space to actually expand professional services into at a later point. And honestly, just understand that this will take time. This is not gonna be a quick thing. Like many of those projects like Tailwind and Laravel, it's, it's been like a decade, over a decade um, now that Laravel has been around. This is going to be something that will need a lot of time and a lot of very public commitment. You'll have to be there all this time because you will be the, the hero of the story in a way. And you will need to be because nobody else can be that for your product, right? You will need to be the person who consistently works on it, provides value, Every day, every week, every month, something new needs to happen. Something needs to be better. People will start flocking around and be interested in what you're doing, interested in the project, interested in what you're saying and where it's going. And they will give you their opinion and you will need to be there to respond and either say, yeah, we're going to do that. Or no, here's my vision. You know, you'll just need to be publicly very available for this. But hey, building in public is the big thing. Right, right now, and I think it's going to be for a while. So I think you might as well go for it. I think if you have a really nice open source idea and a project, why not go for it? Yeah, and that's it. Thank you for listening to the Booster Founder Podcast today. You can find me on Twitter at avidkahl, A-I-V-I-D-K-A-H-L, and you can check out the blog at thebootstrapfounder.com. You can find my book, Zero to Sold, at zerotosoldbook.com. 
If you got any questions about this episode, please reach out on Twitter or send an email to arvid at thebootsurfano.com. If you want to support me in the Bootsurfano podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. It'll help other founders or founders-to-be to find the podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling their bootstrap businesses. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.